Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium. With your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, we're here to pump up your parenting skills, pump up your knowledge, pump up your energy. Welcome to Parent Pump Radio. Go to parentpumpradio.com to leave your questions, comments, and suggestions for future shows and subscribe to our RSS feed so you'll be automatically notified of new shows. Our show is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and syndicated on missionsradio.org and oneideaaway.com. So we're going to continue our talk on financial literacy. According to Forbes magazine, two-thirds of American adults can't even pass a basic financial literacy test, and we know more income does not translate to better financial situation. I mean, according to statistics, 70% of lottery winners and 80% of professional athletes end up filing bankruptcy. So Parent Pump Radio is going to be bringing on many expert guests this year to help educate you on money, credit, tax, debts, student loans, investments, ways to cash flow. We're also going to be partnering up for a monthly live speakers talk panel in the city of Torrance, Los Angeles. So mark your calendar. Our first one will be on January 19th, 2019 from 10 a.m. to noon Pacific Standard Time. If you can't make it live, we're also going to be live streaming it. So all the information is in the show notes. Make sure you go there. So today we're going to talk about credit. Do you want to get back in the credit game? Are you stuck with a high interest loan or dealing with collection accounts which are damaging your credit? Or maybe you just want to understand more about how credit works so you can play the game more effectively. Our expert guest today is the president of Credit First and has over 35 years of combined credit experience. His company helps consumers and businesses when they get declined for a loan due to undesirable credit. They also restructure credit and challenge negative items such as judgments, tax liens, foreclosures, bankruptcy, charge-offs, and, and so many other things. So typically, their clients have the results they need within 30 days to maybe finance a new loan for a home, a car, education expenses, even a personal loan. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Chris Castigar. Hi, Chris. Hey, Jackie. How's it going? I'm doing great. Thank you for Thank being you. on the show. You're very welcome. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. You're welcome. And you can find Chris at his website, creditfirst.com. And let me spell that because the word first is a little different. It's C-R-E-D-I-T-F, like Frank, U-R-S-T.com. And that is also in the show notes. And there's a reason why I have the name that way. Uh -huh. Our slogan is, like, uh, like our spelled name, errors are made every day. Don't let an error impact your financial dreams. So our name is misspelled on purpose because <laughs> there's errors in credit reports throughout the realm of credit. Probably about anywhere between 80 to 90% of credit files that are managed by the bureaus have errors in them. So that's the basis of our, our, our name logo and, and that dynamic in our company. Yeah, I was wondering, I was gonna tell you, you're, you spelled first wrong. <laughs> 
<laughs> yep, I did. <laughs> so first of all, I want to know more about you. What made you decide to go into this kind of business? Well, so prior to before getting into this in this the, the basic credit world, I was I was involved in um, the mortgage world. So I was doing financing up until like 2008 when kind of the mortgage world imploded. I had a lot, my, my father passed away. And so for me, um, I also became a full-time dad of my, my kids. So for me, it was a, a change in, in how I wanted to operate and kind of go through the journey of life and how to deal with being um, of an available father for my boys, as well as being, you know, employed and making money to, to support them as well at the same time. So um, this started evolving over time and probably in the last five years, it's just kind of taken shape into a different direction. So I've kind of been searching out, researching, understanding how like the laws are in place for people that are dealing with credit issues or laws that are in place for how the banks are reporting information, how the bureaus are supposed to manage information. So all that information just came to my knowledge base. Kind of, I, I, I self-educated myself and being that I understood credit really well, I understand finance really well, it just kind of was a good fit. Um, and that's kind of how this business evolved and became such a, you know, uh, kind of a, now it's, it's, we're one of the unique companies that do, does things from a legal perspective, but also in a very um, passionate and quick route. You know, there's a lot of companies out there that they, they take time. Um, I've heard some companies taking between, you know, 18, to 24 months, 36 months to help clients get back on track with their credit. I'm like, that's insane. You got to get this done quicker. This is, we want to get people back in the game. And if I can find ways to do that, that's, Kind of how the business evolved. Yeah, I mean, yeah. for you to do what you do in in thirty days, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and it's not just thirty days. I mean, a lot of clients do get results, but typically most clients are between say three and six months. That's yeah. a normal window. Yeah. But most companies out there don't do it within three to six months. They're doing it, like I said, in between eighteen and thirty six months. So wow. it's a different different animal. Yeah. You, know, you have to, you have to, you have to know how to, how to play the game to get into that, to help people out in that space. So let's, let's talk about the game. Tell us what credit is and what's the biggest misperception people have about this subject. Okay. So the, the misconception, I think is what you're wanting to get to. Right. Um, credit. This is, this is the easiest way to understand credit. Credit is based upon risk. And the credit report is looks at a snapshot of what's happening to you today. And it looks at all the accounts that have you have that are on your credit report, good and bad. And then it takes a snapshot and says, what's the likelihood that this person is going to have a late payment within the next 30 days? That's the truth behind credit. What is the possibility of a consumer to miss a payment within the next 30 days? Because the banks want to make sure that the money that they're giving to a consumer is going to get paid back to them in a way that they don't have any risk. So they're trying to mitigate risk to the lowest level. The lower the risk, the more likely they're going to give you a loan. That's the simplest way of looking at it. Okay. So what do we not know that we should know? Um, that's a loaded question. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of information out there. So what's the biggest misconception? I mean, the, the biggest challenge people run into, this is probably the biggest obstacle, is utilization. Utilization is 35% of someone's credit score. And utilization is if I have a credit card and the limit, or let's say I just, let's just use credit cards. Those are the easiest ones to use. So if I have a credit card and let's say the balance limit's $10,000 and I 
and I'm my balance on that when it reports every month to the bureaus is $9,500. That's a 95% utilization. The algorithms are designed so that they look at the risk factor. Well, if someone's pushing the envelope of their limit, the possibility of them making a, a missing a payment is really high. So that's why they always give you a, a better value. The lower the, the utilization, the better the credit. Okay, that makes sense. That's, that's probably the, the biggest one that people run into. Um, the thing I've, I've found, I find it interesting is a lot of people say, well, I pay my credit card off every month. I'm all, hey, that's great. But do you know when your credit card reports every month? And this is another challenge. And this is kind of one of my little trade secrets that most people don't realize is you have to figure out what day of the month the banks report that balance. And that day could be different from your statement date. Most of the time, it's the statement date. Like I have a Capital One card. My payment's due on the 20th. They report on the 23rd. That's a normal time frame. So if I pay it before that time frame, then they report it three days later. Sometimes the payments do like on the 12th of the month, but they don't report till the end of the month. So whatever your balance is on that day of the month, that's going to get reported to the bureaus. So let's say you have a huge, you know, you purchase something for like a, you know, a few thousand dollars and you have to make that payment, whatever that hits the credit report, the balance is going to be that, that on that day. That's the, that's the challenge that people run into. They don't realize the date of when they report the balance to the credit, to the, to the bureaus. If people know that information, that will give them one leg up on, on the, the reporting or how they can manage their credit. So will the, the banks or credit card tell you what day they reported? No, they don't. But little, another little trade secret, Credit Karma, which I don't use normally to check credit scores, but I use to get information, does tell you the date that they update the report. And then one thing that's nice about Credit Karma is they'll, they'll allow you to pull a new report every seven days. The downside is it only gives you two bureaus. It only gives you Equifax and TransUnion. But the perk is they'll tell you the day of the month that that account gets reported. So you can kind of get a leg up if you need to do some you know, tweaking on your credit to try to get you know, a good credit score, just managing your credit. It's, that's probably the, the, the one trade secret that most people don't understand. So to go to Credit Karma. Yeah. I, 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 they're great for getting information. They're not great for scores. Okay. That's the, that's the one thing you don't, don't use them to score. Unless, for, for God forbid, that their scores are above 800, then yeah, you can use them because that's okay. But most of the time, the scores are never accurate. So you have to go directly to the credit bureau to get the accurate score then directly. So credit, credit reporting is done because if, let's say, a consumer wants to find out what the credit score is, you have to pay for a score. Credit Karma is a free service. So if you want to find your credit, your credit score out, there's different sites out there. I, these are the sites that I like that, that, that provide good credit scoring. One is Experian.com. I love them. Another one is Credit Check Total. And another one is Free Scores and More. Each one of those sites will provide a good basis of what the credit score could be. It's pretty accurate when someone goes to pull their credit. Uh, if they're using those sites as a basis to, to know exactly what their credit score is. So then Credit Karma is just for, to show information that's going on. Just, just information. It's the best site to get the best information. Just for purposes of information gathering only. <laughs> Don't use it for anything else.
Okay. If someone's putting a negative report on your uh, credit, you'll be able to find that on Credit Karma. Yeah. If there's a, if there's a negative if there's a negative account reporting, you'll be able to know the name of the company, but you won't know the account number. That's another little tidbit that's horrible with Credit Karma. It doesn't give you all the information. So for me, I can't use it in our in our line of work because there's no account number on it. We need account numbers when we do disputes. That's important. When you do a dispute, you have to dispute it and you have to put the name and the account number and then send it to the bureau so they know which account you're dealing with or they're dealing with. For most people, I think credit cards probably hold a lot of their scores, right? Yeah, that's a lot of the utilization we're talking about. Yes, that's correct. If you're using your credit card and you're paying the cards off every month, how does that change or does it change for some people? So, so these are the two, these are the two, the two things that are the biggest scoring factors on your credit report. One is the utilization and the other one is credit history, payment history. So if I've been making my payments on time every month. So when it comes to credit cards, utilization is if you want to keep it below 30%, that's the kind of the, the magic point. 30% and lower is always the, the key level of where you, you'll see your scores having a stronger, less risk factor. Remember, it's always based on risk. Credit is a risk factor for the banks. It's a module that they have in place. The algorithm focuses on risk. That's it. So what do you mean by 30%? Like 30%. Okay, so if I, if I have, here's a perfect example, okay? There are credit cards out there people go and get and they're $500 limits. I got a new credit card. It's $500 limits. I'm like, okay, that's great. Good for you. Except they keep a $450 balance on it. So that $450 balance is now 90% utilization. So a 30% utilization on a $500 card is 150 bucks. So there's a, there's a massive gap in that, in that amount because a $500 card, your utilization can go really quick. I mean, you go buy a plane ticket, done, it's gone. Right. You know, $400, there you go. You've almost 80% utilization. It, you know, so the, the reality is you've got to be careful. And the smaller cards are classified as starter cards. A bank's not going to give you a, a decent credit card account of like $5,000. If you have only a $300 or a $500 credit card in your account, you need to have larger limit cards. Um, here's another little cool little trade secret um, for most people, getting an authorized user account on a credit card. An authorized user is say, I've got an American, let's say I have an American Express account and I've got a you know $10,000 limit on it. I can give someone the author as an authorized user. So they basically are inheriting all my good credit history. So let's say like I have, I have my boys and I've, I've put them on my, my Capital One accounts. So they're now inheriting my good payment history. So when they go to go get credit cards and they turn 18 or they want to get a credit card, they'll have two years of payment history or more on their credit report. So the bank will go, oh, here, here you go. Here's a, here's a credit card for maybe 2000 bucks, whatever it might be. But they'll have that, that history on the report, which is great for people that need to boost their credit scores or build it for that matter. Okay, good to know. Better make sure that you're monitoring your teen's uh, credit card use if you're going to authorize them on your card, yeah, though, right? Def definitely. <laughs> <laughs> or just put them on your account. Just don't give them the card. <laughs> that, too. You can do that, too. Yeah, the coolest thing is an authorized user. You don't have to give them the card. You can just put them on and not never give them the card so they can get the, they get the credit. They get the credit. Is, but they don't get the card. <laughs> there are people out there who pay credit cards every month, but their credit score doesn't change. Why is that? There's a lot of factors that could come into play. They could have late payments. They could have a collection. They could have things that are on the report. That's a hard one to kind of 
um, give it a specific answer to without really kind of looking at each individual person's specific situation. We have, I have clients that contact me and ask me, you know, over the phone, Hey, my credit score is a, you know, 550. Can you tell me why? I'm like, um, yeah, I would. It's like going to the doctor saying, Hey, doctor, I need some meds because I'm sick. And the doctor's like, well, I got to do an examination on you first. Okay. You know, it's the same Makes thing. sense. Makes sense. It's a hard, it's a hard, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's very visual in the space of understanding what's on the report. So, yeah. If you do have something negative on your credit report, do you have to go to a company like yours or can no. you dispute it yourself? No, you can totally dispute it yourself. This is, and this is the thing that I'll, I'll give a, one of my little, this is another trade secret of mine that, that most people don't realize. Um, the reason why our company is so successful is we put the burden of proof back on the company reporting it. So let's say you have an account with Citibank and you have a 30-day late. Um, Citibank has to be able to prove that beyond a reasonable doubt. So like there's going to be complete 100% verifiable proof. So let's say, okay, great. I was 30 days late in say October of 2018. You can dispute that, but you have to say I was never late on in October, 2018. So you're putting the burden of proof back on the company that's reporting it. Cause when they'll, what happens in, in the process of this, this arena is the bureau will go and verify the information with the bank. They'll, they'll do it electronically. Most people, what happens when they do it themselves, they write this long story and they'll detail every little tidbit about what they're doing. And in the process, what happens is they, in, they themselves verify the account because they've written a story, explained the details of the story, and they just go in and, and the bureau goes, great, thanks for telling us you were, you were, in, you were 30 days past due. <laughs> So it's challenging because what happens is you you, you want to you use the, the philosophy, less is more. So if I say I was not late in October 2018, please provide records or proof, it puts a burden of proof back upon the other party. So that gives the consumer the power to then do that. So they can do it themselves. Just be careful. Don't write a story. Don't explain yourself. Just specify I was never late or keep it simple and put the burden of proof back upon the other party. So just basically say I was not, I was not late. So give me and the, the date, proof that I was. And it, and, yeah. And, and give me the date. You always have to put the date of the time frame if something was incorrect. I was not, I was not late on this, this time this year or this month this year. You give them the specific date because then they have to prove that. And a lot of times they can't prove it. They'll send some form of statement, but no one can prove when they got the check, there's no record of it. It's a, it's a process that's it's all about evidentiary, you know, evidentiary rules. So if you can show me the evidence that I was late, then great. But if they, so, so if say that, but say the payment was due October 1st and they show that your payment didn't get credited until October 15th is, can they just show you that? If it's, if it's due October 1st and you're, and you pay it by the 15th, you're not 30 days past due. So you need to show, and if you have a record of, of the cash check and shows when it was cashed, that's another level of evidence. So just the reality is you want to put the burden of proof back on the other party. You always put it back to the banks because they're the ones that are reporting the information. They're sending to the bureau so they have to have complete transparency and 100% accountability. If, if you ask to verify it, and, and this is the other thing, this is what I love. How is your name spelled? Jacqueline, I know you have a very unique name and how and you're, will you spell it? Yeah. But I'm sure people mess it up all the time. Yes. Yeah. So 
that's not you. I'm sorry. My, my name, my name is not spelled that way. That's not me. You know, my first name, evidence. my last name. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a very common mistake and people will remember your companies that are putting data entry into the, into the, their, their accounts. If somebody hits an I instead of an E, like my name, that's inaccurate. 100% verifiable and accurate. My name is not spelled that way. That's inaccurate. It's got to be removed. End of story. That's the simplicity of it when you get down to you know brass tacks. I think a lot of people probably want to know more about that. Maybe another show. <laughs> That's not me. No, I don't. I don't owe any of that. Uh, that debt. <laughs> you got the wrong person. That's the wrong person. <laughs> what do you mean? I owe a hundred thousand dollars? Nope, not me. <laughs> That's not who I am. Look, here's my here's my driver's license. Here's my passport. Oh, you're right. You spelled wrong. Sorry. Okay. So I hear collection accounts are probably the worst accounts to have listed on your credit report and that if i so true right so so, so true <laughs> so that is true yeah they're, so, they're the worst so they're, if it's, if you do have a collection ahead. account that's reported in your credit what what can you do because that's going to be there for a while okay so this is a really interesting situation and a lot of people don't i don't know if they recognize this maybe people have seen my video upon when it comes to collection accounts but collections accounts are third-party debt buyers which means the originator of the account has sold it, which means your relationship, and think of this in a contractual relationship. So if you and I are in a contract that's mutually exclusive between you and I, if you're upset and, and, and you're mad at me and upset and you say, forget you, I'm selling your debt to a third party, you've now removed my relationship completely out of the equation. So you've now sold to somebody else who I have no relationship with. So what banks do, when they, or even, even, even this even goes into medical debt. Um, when an account is sold to a third party debt buyer, that relationship has changed. So your relationship with that individual is no longer valid. It's been terminated. The third party, what they do, they want to get you into a relationship. They want to get you into a contract. And the first way they do that is try to contact you by phone and they blow your phone up like crazy and tell you that, that they're collecting on behalf of whoever it might be. Let's all use Citibank again. Right. We're collecting on behalf of Citibank. They didn't tell you that they bought the debt for pennies on the dollar. And now they're trying to contract with you to pay you, to have you pay them the full amount when actually they've paid, let's say it was a $5,000 debt. You had $5,000. And then let's say they paid, let's say they paid 10 cents on the dollar for that. That means they paid 500 bucks. They call you on the phone. They say, Jacqueline, hey, this is Chris over at ERC. And you now owe us $5,000. You're like, what? Oh, my God. And so us being the guilty parties and us thinking that we've, we owe this money, not realizing the banks have already taken it as a loss and written it off on their books, we feel bad. We feel guilty. We feel horrible. So our internal belief systems kick in. We start really getting overwhelmed. <gasps> I got to pay this. Oh, my God. I'm so stressed. And they're calling you constantly. If they get you to, to agree to something on the phone, you've now been in contract with them. You've now accepted their new terms. If you tell them, I don't know who you are, I've never, I don't have a contract with you, there's no signed agreement, please prove that there's a signed agreement, they're going to go away because they have no signed agreement. You've never agreed to, to pay them the amount. So collections are third-party debt buyers that have no contract with you. There's no way that they can enforce any type of claim against you because there's no agreement with them. So you actually don't have to pay the debt if it goes to a third party? Nope. You just have to know how to, you just have to know how to challenge them 
on the merits of their claim. But then they can still put it on your credit report, though. They they can't. They have to validate the proof. But they've done it. How have they validated? So once when we get down to validation, validation is a whole different arena. Okay, so so, valid- you're, so the people that have that on their record, they've the the consumer has verified that or validated that. No. No, not always. A lot of times, they'll what a collection agency will do. They'll send a letter in the mail called a Dunning letter. And that Dunning letter is a way in the in the documentation that they, or the language they write. It says, "This we're collecting or we're we're um, collecting on behalf of Citibank, and this is you have a debt with them. And if you if 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 you don't challenge the validity of this account within the next thirty days, that is your agreement that this is a debt. It's called acquiescence, which means you agree by doing nothing. So when they send the letter to you and you don't respond, that's the agreement that this is a debt." Now they have you in a, in a contractual obligation in the sense that you didn't respond. By not doing anything, you're actually agreeing. So it's better to so, do something on that part. Yes. When you get a letter in the mail, you make sure you respond to that letter in the mail and ask them to prove their claim. You ask them to show you the signed contract, show, show you the record, show you the proof that they have the right to collect and they have the right to report it. It takes about anywhere between 30 and 90 days to get those collection accounts removed or to make the collection account people go away you just have to it's just a letter writing campaign it's what you're really doing yeah so let's talk about homes foreclosure short sale because you know back in the 2008 uh 2011 12 yeah right 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 all the a lot of people have foreclosure and short sale so can you legally remove those things from your credit report yes you can legally remove them from your credit report they don't have to stay there for seven years no they don't have to say that for you seven years. And that's good that you'd mentioned the seven year time frame. Um, here's a little, here's one other thing that people don't realize when it comes to credit. Any account that's been charged off, written off, foreclosed, whatever, anything like that, when the account has no longer been owed to the company, do not make any payments again to them. Because if you do, you reset the clock for seven years, anytime. And some people go, I pay them 10 bucks a month. Don't do that. It's the worst thing you can do because you're resetting the clock and you're extending the time frame that they can report that information. So when it comes to foreclosures and short sales or anything that's negative for that matter, it always comes back to the burden of proof. So I will ask the company or a consumer can ask the company for the records and proof that they have the right to report that. And if they don't have the right to report that, they can't report it. If you can, if they can't verify it, they can't report it. And once again, it's got to be 100% accurate. We have about three minutes, four minutes left. And I want to talk about your company because obviously this is a lot of information for someone. So what separates separates your company, Credit First, from other companies like Lexington Law or, you know, many other repair companies? All the other credit companies. So there are different methodologies people, companies use to market their services. The easiest one is I'm going to charge an initiation fee of, say, $200. And then I'm going to charge you a monthly fee of $99 a month. Okay. So people think, Hey, that's affordable. But what they don't tell you is they're in their model of how they do business. They want to get a client on the, on, on the hook for between 18 and 36 months. So that means that they're now dealing with not having access to the credit for maybe a year and a half to three years. We're in a, my model is I want to get clients done as quickly as possible 
so that they're back to using their credit again. We're getting the, the, the banks, we're going to hold them accountable to make sure whatever they're doing is verifiable. If it's not, they have to remove it. Once it's removed, the consumer can then start using their credit again. Their clients get a chance to get back into the market and use the credit, which is what we want to do. And the banks, this is the craziest thing. Banks want people to have good credit because they want to open, open new accounts. <laughs> that's, a, that's the whole job of a bank, to open new accounts. That's why Wells Fargo got in so much trouble is because they kept opening accounts without the people's permission. But the goal of a bank is to open an account. So if we can clean the credit up, get them back into the market within three to six months, then they're using their credit again, which is what helps the economy, helps the banking world, helps the consumers, helps everybody. I mean, we all want to start spending again. <laughs> In some levels, you got to be responsible still. Right. You know, always be, always be financially literate, right? Absolutely. Uh, so last question, why should we hire Credit First? Because I'm a genuinely nice guy. No. <laughs> that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's that's a, that's at the discretion of the consumer. I mean, some people I get along with great. I mean, a lot of what we're doing is coaching people and helping them understand. That's the basis of our, our business is providing them with assistance and coaching and getting them the help they need. Um, some people don't want to use us because they're concerned about the mo monthly expense or whatever it costs on our end. Our costs are different from other companies. They're about the same price, but they're broken down in different payment structures. Um, so, I mean, use, you, if, they, if they like us, fantastic. We're happy. You know, I, I know I can't please everybody in the world. My goal is to please those that like, like us and use us. And we have a great successful success rate. So that's why I think a lot of people use this. And that's what I love about Chris is he's really good at coaching. So you understand more about the credit world, the finance world, the debt world. And it's uh, once you understand it and you understand the rules, that's when you can play the real game. Right, Chris? Yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing is you need someone in your corner to support you. A lot of the bigger companies are they're going to only focus on just you know getting the monthly the monthly uh, client that pays on a monthly basis and just kind of just going through the process of every month my goal is educate get them get them fixed in a quick amount of time so they get back in the market and now they have a set of tools that they can use now moving forward that's the goal you know because i want to have someone be knowledgeable in their credit and how to use it properly you know take full advantage of it you know, so in, in six months, they can use it again. In six months, they get new credit. They know how to properly use it. They're buying homes, how to use it properly to get into a house or an investment property or whatever it might be. Yeah. Even in businesses, businesses don't realize that business credit's another area that they don't, it's, that most people don't understand. And business credit's a massive, massive challenge because when people go, business owners go to get a mortgage from, or not a mortgage, but like a line of credit or anything in, in, the, in their, for a bank, Sometimes they'll get declined because they don't realize that they're a, they have late payments in their business. That's a whole different category that I will not get into at this point, but that's another area that's that's challenging too. We will have to schedule you to come back and talk about business credit another yeah. time. <laughs> so Chris's, That'd be awesome. Chris's website is Credit First. Again, that's credit f-u-r-s-t dot com it's in the show notes and he is also going to be one of our speakers for the january 19th lineup event uh from 10 to noon pacific center time in torrance los angeles and check the show notes for more information about that uh monthly talk okay chris well thank you so much for your time thanks jackie and listeners, until next time, always be learning and always be growing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. 
To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. And while you're at our website, sign up to receive a free gift. Until next time, have a wonderful week.